welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a break from the typical format, a break and a treat. Today on said, I'm going to play Corey Damon Jenkins' keynote from our first online designer experience back in May. The title of the keynote is Preserving Your Emotional Enamel, How Creative Professionals Can Protect Self-Esteem in Times of Crisis. And I want you to have this visual in your mind. Early in the presentation, Corey held up a diagram of a tooth drawing a vivid parallel between a tooth's protective barrier and the emotional kind of barrier. The feedback we got on his presentation was very positive. Attendees found it helpful. They called his message uplifting and appropriate for the times. Someone called him a wonderful ambassador for our industry, and another said his words felt reassuring. For those just discovering Corey Damon Jenkins, he is the principal of his eponymous firm, Corey Damon Jenkins and Associates, which has offices in both Birmingham, Michigan, and New York City. His journey to design is a tale of persistence, patience, humility, and gratitude, which he has shared generously on social media. It involves knocking on 778 doors until the 779th one opened. If you have not been privy to the way Corey eloquently recounts his personal history, then beeline to his Instagram and poke around. Corey has garnered lots of press over the years, been featured in national and regional magazines, as well as television and podcasts. In 2019, he installed his first Kip Space show house room and signed a book deal with Rizzoli. His book is due out on shelves in early spring 2021. This year, he made El Decor's A-list and has been a shining light through COVID, appearing on numerous lives and panels and has also shared a lot of wisdom related to the racial awakening that has been vital to our industry. Corey's most immediate next stop is the Genius Exchange, this Friday and Saturday, the 24th and 25th. This is an annual Gail Doby coaching and consulting business education event, and Corey is the keynote interview, which is titled Diversity, Adversity, and Innovation in Design. Alrighty then, it gives me great honor to play the recording from our DX, his keynote is followed by a Q&A. Enjoy. Well, thank you all so much for having me. And um, I'm honored to be here as part of the DX uh, experience today. I thought we would begin this uh, conversation with an old adage that has always impressed me deeply. And I'd like to share that with you as well. And it goes like this. In the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, then it's not the end. Let that resonate with you for a moment. In the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, then it's not the end. 
You know, when the COVID-19 pandemic struck our human family worldwide in recent uh, weeks, suddenly, almost overnight, things were not okay, were they? Our sense of security, suddenly not okay. Our health at risk, not okay. Our sense of certainty about the future, not okay. For many of us, our employment situation was suddenly not okay. And of course, for all of us, our sense of freedom to go about and come as we uh, choose and please, um, not okay. As creatives, as designers, as architects, and as industry leaders, we've all been affected in some way or another by what's transpired in the last couple of months. Now, for some of us, the disruption has been minimal. But for most of us, we've all been affected in a more significant way. Such disruption uh, can have a great impact on something that I call emotional enamel. Emotional enamel, what is that? Well, I can't see any of you during this particular part of our program, but by a proverbial figurative show of hands, how many of us have heard our dentists refer to the term enamel during a dental visit? I'm sure almost all of us, if not all of us, have our hands up in our heads at least. Um, and that terminology is applicable to our teeth. And I brought a little diagram here to kind of showcase uh, what I'm talking about. You see this diagram of our teeth and this top layer right here on the white, the white uh, cap here on the top, that's our enamel, the coating, the protective layer that you see in your mouth. And below this layer are sensitive nerve endings. Now, if any of you like I have had a very bad bout of dry socket, I can tell you that once the enamel is cracked or pierced and those nerve endings are exposed to the air, let's just say the pain is so excruciating that I would not wish that on my worst enemy. So in other words, that enamel is a protective covering and it really ties in well with the Webster's uh, dictionary uh, definition of enamel, and I'll share that with you. It says, it's an opaque or semi-transparent glassy substance applied to metallic or other hard surfaces for ornament or as a protective coating. So let's kind of zoom in on that latter part of that definition, protective coating. As a species, we as humans have layers, right? We have um, certain experiences, uh, traumatic events perhaps, that shape who we are as individuals. And those experiences, especially ones that are negative, can test the fibers of the strength of that protective emotional layer. Now, this coronavirus pandemic that we all are navigating our way through right now has certainly shattered our definitions of normalcy. Now, for creative people and for business owners, it has also tested the strength of our emotion, our fortitude, our patience with the unknown. So the question is, with so much uncertainty at this time, how can you and I maintain a sense of self-worth, self-esteem, and optimism? What are practical ways that we can keep our businesses financially solvent and afloat during this time? 
And most importantly of all, how can we protect our emotional enamel from viruses of negativity and emerge from this situation as better people? Well, for the sake of this lecture, I've developed four takeaways. And for those of you who are taking notes, I'd like to share these with you one by one. The first takeaway is this. Your value is not determined by your circumstances. Takeaway number two, do not compare yourself to others. Number three, conserve physical and financial energies. And our fourth takeaway, beware of social viruses. Let's take that first takeaway and examine that more carefully. Your value is not determined by your circumstances. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the first step in protecting our emotional enamel against chips and cracks is understanding our worth, understanding that who and what we are as people, as professionals, is not dictated or diminished by what's happening around us with this pandemic. Now, today, most of the states in the United States are opening up in some way, shape, or form when it comes to business, slowly. But certain businesses may be very slow to resume, and the interior design world is probably going to be one of those that may be uh, affected in this particular manner. So let's say our particular business is slow to resume in the aftermath of this pandemic. That does not mean that we don't still got it, right? It simply means that we're taking some time to find our footing again in this industry as things settle around us. And much of that is dependent upon our clients, upon our contractors, upon our showrooms. Everyone has to find that new normal, that new place of, of, of um, comfort to resume work as usual. The thing is, sometimes we may be too hard on ourselves we beat ourselves up when things don't come together the way that we want them to be. And so for that reason, it is extremely important that we are extra generous and fair with our expectations of both ourselves and our expectations of others. Takeaway number two, do not compare yourself to others. You know, when I was in school and we were taking tests, I found myself under a lot of self-imposed pressure. Um, I would want to get my test done fast before everyone else would be finished. I don't know. I'm an A-type personality, I suppose. And I found myself, as I was doing my, te my test, uh, subconsciously looking at my other classmates to see if anyone else was finished or was struggling with the same questions or, or challenges on their test as I was. If a certain student, you know, those nerdy know-it-alls got done with their tests first and they went up to the teacher and turned in their exam, I always felt like this pit in my stomach, this nervousness, this pressure. Did my classmates somehow study harder than me? That was a question I asked myself. Would they get a higher grade because they got done first before the rest of us? Would they get extra credit for being done first? You see, I put a lot of extra pressure, unnecessary pressure on myself, and thereby distracted myself from the task I had at hand. 
A United States president, President Teddy Roosevelt, once said this, comparison is the thief of joy. That suggests that making comparison to other people can actually be quite harmful uh, and distract us from our own happiness. Now, during this pandemic crisis, it is absolutely essential that we not engage in self-sabotage. Now, what am I referring to? We can self-sabotage by comparing ourselves to other people. We can self-sabotage by comparing how our Instagram compares to other people's Instagram. How many people are following that designer? How many likes does that individual have on their post? How many friends do they have? Who cares? You see, at this time, you may be getting caught up because a lot of us are at home and have less to do, for, for example. And we're looking at people tuning in for Instagram lives and whatnot. And by comparing ourselves to see who's getting done first, who's getting the most whatever, we may find ourselves dis discouraged and robbing our own happiness because of comparing ourselves to other people. At the end of the day, the thing that we have to remember is that we are not in a race with anyone else but ourselves. Our number one goal should be to only be a better person, a better man or woman than we were yesterday. And one more point on this takeaway. Remember that people only share the very best version of themselves on social media. They get their hair done, their makeup, and they, they get dressed and they are getting the, the filters and all the, the proper lighting to display the best version of themselves on Instagram and Facebook. But let's keep it real. That is not really a genuine, accurate reflection of their day-to-day -day life or the challenges that they are facing privately. I can assure you that even the most successful and seemingly secure people are struggling through this pandemic, just like you and I. So don't compare yourself to other people. Takeaway number three, protect your emotional enamel by conserving financial and physical energies. Now, what are we talking about with this? Creative people, for all of their artistic talents and abilities, are, let's face it, often the worst business people. Am I right? We love to pick out great fabrics and furnishings and things of that nature, but we dread doing the billing, doing the savings, doing the invoicing and the, the, the purchasing process. That just is not what we really want to get involved with sometimes. And yet, it's essential to a thriving business. When this pandemic hit, some of us were caught financially unprepared because it was such a shocking overnight event that robbed the entire planet of its financial momentum. During the recession back in 2008, I learned the importance of always, always running my firm as if we're in a recession. My staff will tell you, and particularly Holly, who uh, Jane referenced at the beginning of our, our discussion, they'll tell you that I run my firm on a shoestring budget, even if we have the money to splurge. Uh, we'll say, um, Holly will say, Corey, we need to order more uh, paper plates, plastic uh, spoons, knives, and forks. And I'm like, why can't we just buy China and buy silverware, <laughs> you know, and save that money and just wash the dishes? 
that's how I, and, and why is that? Well, it's because I recognize that we're in a luxury business, right? We are expendable to some people. As designers, architects, and showroom owners, we are sometimes considered the front lines of our industry. So it is vital that as creative professionals, we always have a nest egg set aside during times like this. At least, at least the minimum, three to six months of savings to cover rent, payroll, utilities, and personal expenses. That is absolutely essential. Now, what about right now? Well, at this time, cash is king. So if possible, do not touch your personal savings account and be very, very careful about credit card purchases. Now, what does that mean for you and I, perhaps, in day-to-day -day translation? It may mean that perhaps right now is not the best time to go on that trip or to splurge on marketing ads in a design magazine. Perhaps that residential photo shoot that you wanted to conduct for your, your uh, website may need to be postponed for a minute. Perhaps uh, the website itself that needs to be updated needs to be canceled for a little while. These are all things that we consider to be luxury, nice-to-haves. They're expenses that we can do without. And most reasonable people will be understanding and forgiving if you cannot commit to certain obligations right now. Our primary focus at this time should be on payroll protecting our staff and maintaining uh, some sort of financial solvency until this storm passes. Now, we spoke about conserving financial energies. What about physical energies? How can we protect our emotional enamel by protecting our physical energies? Well, it may be tempting to just take on any job, any client that calls during this time frame because we're panicking about business, right? I totally get that. But we need to use sound judgment at this time. Remember, not all jobs are good jobs. Not every client is the right client. Be okay with saying no and avoid hitching yourselves to opportunities because you are trying to press what I call the panic button. Stick to the brand that you were known for before this pandemic hit. Because once this is over, and it will be over, those clients will come back looking for you and the brand that they were familiar with. How tragic would it be that if we, in panic mode, took on all of these little jobs that really don't amount to a lot of return on investment, very little profit, only for a dream client to come along later, and then suddenly we're unavailable to commit to their project? because we've overcommitted on other crappy jobs, right? Patience is virtue. I like to uh, illustrate this in, in this way. Imagine you're in the, the jungle in the Sahara someplace, um, someplace where a lion would be. And a lion is seeing a, a pack of antelope in the distance, a large pack of antelope. Does he go running towards that pack, roaring and screaming? No. He stands still at the distance, and he lowers his head to the ground, and then he roars directly into the soil. Now, why does he do that? It's because the vibrations from his roar can be felt 
through the hooves of the antelope. And because they cannot see where the lion is or where that roar is coming from, they then disperse into a million different directions. They don't know where the threat is, where it's coming from. And that lion is hoping that if he stands still, one of those unsuspecting antelope will come running right into his jaws and his claws, completely unaware. The coronavirus pandemic is a lot like that lion. We don't know what the future may hold. We don't know where certain challenges may come from, unforeseen uh, cautions that may arise. And we may naturally want to panic and just make a, 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 a knee-jerk decision to save face in the short term. And that may affect our business decisions. If at all possible, avoid doing that. Try to be strategic in your decision-making when it comes to your business, especially during this time. Our fourth takeaway, beware of social viruses. Now, while the COVID-19 pandemic certainly caused a vicious health virus, we must also be on the lookout for social viruses that can also chip away at that protective outer laying of who we are, that emotional enamel. What do I mean? Well, there's an old adage, and I'm sure all of you have heard it, misery loves company. So during this time period, we must be very careful to avoid or perhaps limit association with people, even well-intentioned people, who by default are negative. Now, you know the kind of people I'm talking about. Individuals who are pessimistic, sarcastic, always see the glass as not only half full, but broken and leaking all over the table. These individuals can do a lot of damage with their speech and their attitudes towards creative professionals. We thrive on social interaction as artists, but these individuals may actually infect us with their negativity, their social viruses. They may tell us, for example, you know what? Clearly the industry and the economy is so slow right now. Just give up, throw in the towel, go get a real job, get a, a retail job or something else because clearly no one's going to be hiring an interior designer or uh, a furnishings uh, company during this time period. Things like that are discouraging and they can sap us of our resolve. So that means that you and I have to be very judicious in, with who we choose to put in our orbit during this time frame, And that includes even our closest friends and family members. They all can unwittingly put cracks in our emotional enamel if we let them. And this really extends uh, everyone to our associations on social media platforms, places like Facebook and the aforementioned Instagram uh, and other platforms. Because we've all been home for, for several weeks now, a couple of months, we may have found ourselves you know, enamored with TV, right? And watching the news and being on our Facebook and watching all the updates on our phones. There's so much negativity, so much um, talk, so much noise, so many conspiracy theories, and you get caught up in all of this. It's like a, a, a hamster on a wheel. It's on and on and on, and it's exhausting. Sometimes it may be healthier for our emotional enamel to take a break. Our dentist will tell us, you know, to protect the, the coating on your teeth, to keep that enamel intact, cut back on the junk food eat something healthier, right? 
So it may be beneficial for us to take a break sometimes from social media, look at nature, go read a book, um, do some artwork like Kelly O'Neill. I'm looking at one of his gorgeous art pieces in my living room right now. Uh, do something productive that takes our minds away from the negativity because these things can infect us and make us worse for the wear. By doing so, we can protect who we are on the outside and emerge from this situation as better people. So in conclusion, um, none of us really know what's going to happen in the near future, right? We don't know what's going to be the outcome for us, for our families, or our businesses, or our lives. We simply cannot control that. If there's anything that I've learned during this entire pandemic experience, it's that I can't control it. I can't control anything. The only thing that I can control is how I react to these, these uh, individual situations. So let's all do that. Let's control how we react by taking it one day at a time. We do well to protect our emotional enamel because we know that this too shall pass and we'll be all the better for it. Yes, the coronavirus pandemic has proven to be a formidable threat, but we are not defined by that. Things are not okay right now. They're not okay, but over time, they will be. This is not the end of our industry, but rather the beginning of an entirely new chapter for all of us. We just have to be smart about things right now and patiently wait this storm out. So in the meantime, keep close to your hearts that adage that we opened up this keynote uh, discussion with. In the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, it is not the end. Hello, dear listeners. I wanted to take a little break here to relay the good news that planning for our second online designer experience is now underway. So mark your calendars for Thursday, September 24th. The designer experience, for those who have never attended, is an interior design community gathering with presentations, discussions, and tours that combines practical business advice and exercises with design education and inspiration. Back in the old days, we hosted these two-and-a-half-day forums in person. Today, we deliver the same high-grade content by Zoom, coupled with that DT dose of heart and soul that goes into everything we do. Go to designerstoday.com to the events tab and click on designer experience to learn more. Okay. Corey, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. We got some, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, but um, you also just got a couple, you got an amen during that. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> And that was about the social virus. Um, you also got, I was texted and just um, saying, uh, I love the way he speaks oh. and, you know, great content. So those were just some of the comments I came across. But now I'm going to uh, somebody, I'm in tears. So poignant, somebody wrote. So now let's just have a couple of questions. Okay. Sure. All righty. You, you're obviously wiser post-recession. So back then, what was very difficult for you to give up? 
What was very difficult for me to give up during the initial recession in 2008 was my financial freedom to do whatever I wanted. Um, I was living a, a great lifestyle. I had a great salary. I could work out at the nicest high-end gyms and go to Whole Foods and get the best nutritious diet. Um, I had a nice car, you know, a luxury sedan. I, I was living well. And so being forced to not only cut back on those things because of necessity and to live within my own means, to go from Whole Foods to now living on ramen noodles and SpaghettiOs and making spam casseroles, uh, to, to cut back and having a gorgeous uh, townhouse to a flat in the hood, um, those were tough uh, adjustments to make. But I never had to go into debt. And I never had to find myself uh, struggling from the angle of, oh my God, I'm going to be out on the streets. I've always learned and I've always known not to overextend myself. And so when I saw troublesome you know, storm clouds coming in 2007, I cut back right away so I would not be overextended financially. Is, I'm just going to follow that up. Is that something that you think you were taught as a, in your, by your family? Like- yeah. Yeah, my dad was a CFO for a big uh, uh, banking uh, enterprise. My mom uh, was in customer service for Comerica. My brothers are treasurers for a bank, for, for two different banks. So everyone in my family, with the exception of me, comes from the whole financial, you know, the whole banking Wall Street world. Um, I'm the only one that spun off from that. But the principles of that, I think, apply because... Now at my firm, we're managing literally millions of dollars of people's, you know, hard-earned funds. And so you have to be responsible and be a good um, fiduciary for them. And you can't be a good fiduciary for your clients if you haven't been a good fiduciary for yourself. So it's not just about selling you furniture. I have to live in my own lifestyle in a sensible way that my clients can respect when I give them direction. They take it with respect. I'm so glad that you said that because... During your, when you were speaking, I was thinking about something that Christopher Grubb had once said to me during the recession. And he said that his clients, you know, they value, um, they, if they see you being smart about money, like that's, that's all the better, you know? So, um, you know, if you can conserve. Okay. Another question regarding negative Nellies, yes. how do you respectfully distance yourself? And should you try to help them? Um, no, don't try to help them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right now, you know, we're going into an election season and Facebook is like a, a war zone. People are very much in their, their chosen pathways. We're all intelligent for the most part. We all have our, our, our sense of morals and what's right and wrong. It's not my job to fix people. I can barely fix my damn self right now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not trying to absorb other people's energy. I'm not trying to carry any luggage that I'd impact, right? Hear that, everybody. Hear that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't try to change people. Let them think their thing through. And then when people come to me with negativity, um, I have had no problem telling people, you know, I really find this to be discouraging and I really don't want to hear it right now. When you try to be more tactful and saying, well, you know, and kind of, you know, romance yourself out of the conversation, 
people don't get that, you have to almost bludgeon them with the, the truth. Like, I don't like what you're saying. You're, mm-hmm. you're being negative. You're being negative. You're being negative. I don't want to hear it. And people sometimes don't realize that they're spewing such negativity until you put a mirror in front of their face. You know, Jan, you know I speak in analogies. We're going through this COVID-19 thing. People don't know if they're sick until they get tested. They're getting their temperatures taken. And sometimes as friends and as colleagues, we have to be the thermometer and say, open up your mouth, stick this in your mouth, shut up. I like that. You're running a temperature, you're negative. You're, you're so hot, cool off, chill out. And, and go to the corner and go work that out and then come back to me later. I think that that's very important for both our emotional health, but also for theirs, because they may not even know that they're still sick and infecting people. Yeah, true. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, oh, let's see. Um, what are you most excited right now about in your business? I'm excited about some new projects that we've begun. Um, we've uh, been very great, very, very lucky and grateful that clients have responded very well during this pandemic process. Um, they understand and have been very patient with the fact that we can't do everything 100% like we used to, like our design centers are closed and our many of our reps are furloughed and showrooms are, are you know, showroom management is not available. So our clients have been very patient with us as we kind of, you know, navigate our way through this. But um, I think over the next few weeks, these are going to really start to pick up quite a bit. Um, we signed on with one client completely sight unseen. Uh, we had the uh, front cover of House Beautiful magazine back in March, and they saw the project. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, they felt that they had qualified me as a designer through that article and through their own online research. So our entire um, correspondence has been through um, Zoom and through FaceTime. I have not physically been in the room with them yet. I have not physically been to their house yet. We've done floor plan, you know, renderings. We've done the the, 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 the virtual tours of the home. Uh, we've certainly checked out everything as far as background checks. But they signed the contract and the retainer, you know, virtually seen but physically sight unseen. Right. And I think that's kind of where we're going as an industry. I think that we're going to get much more comfortable with doing work with social distancing, not only in the States, but across the world. I think our clients have been there for a long time as far as their their comfort zone with social media and tech. I think we needed to kind of get to that point. And I think the pandemic has forced us as an industry to to embrace these technological uh, platforms and make them part of our day-to-day business um, regimen. Yeah, do you, uh, probably um, your boundaries. I mean, I know you design all over, but I think it's going to be much more open and perhaps more frequently now with this. Something you said, um, of course, struck me as a magazine editor. You know, they saw you on House Beautiful, right? And they pretty much were like, "That's he's the guy for us." So the power of print. You've always been a real supporter of print. Yes. And we're, we have a communications panel later on in the afternoon, which I'm sure we're going to talk about it. But for in your own experience, how has print worked to your benefit? Oh, print is king. Um, I think that, so in our questionnaire that we send to potential clients, we ask them, I think, 45, 46 questions that Holly has on there to kind of qualify them as a potential client. And we ask them all sorts of, you know, Questions and one of them is, you know, where did we 
where did you find Corey? Where did you find my brand? And although Instagram has been kind of inching up on the list of ways that people are finding us, print remains the number one way that my clients find me. Um, so they're reading these great magazines and they're saving them for sometimes years on end. I've had two different clients who held on to certain issues of Brad Home or House Beautiful or whatever, and they they just were told by their husbands, you know, we're going to do this at some point in the future, but not right now. And in one case, the wife waited for almost five years to mm -hmm. call me and hire me for the project. So I think that there's a certain demographic out there that will not move to digital to look at a home. They will not swipe. They will not um, look at the phone. And those clients who are often more mature in age, they often have a certain sensibility about really touching and feeling the paper and that experience. And they also often have more disposable income to splurge on bigger, higher end projects. Um, so I think that it's going to take a generation maybe before, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's on the digital. But I think even when that happens, there's something that isn't, just doesn't quite replace the power of the printed page. And I hope that we can maintain that as an American pastime for design shutter publications, like the ones that, like the one that you are directing um, forever, because it's been a huge boon for our business. Yeah. Well, I, I love hearing that. So, um, okay. One, let's do one more question. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, are you designing differently with knowledge that we now have available regarding COVID? Has this time affected? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And we actually had a staff meeting about this uh, late last week uh, in terms of how we're going to not only work with clients in a new way, but even working in our office. You know, right now I have my girls, I have an all-female staff, and they work at one gigantic, long, white lacquer table um, that seats, I think, like eight people. And there are three of them at that table. So it's obviously six or seven feet between each of them. But is that really enough? Should we be not facing each other? Should we be rearranging the desk and maybe putting that into a conference room and getting individual desks for the ladies to work from for more privacy. So we're looking at that in terms of the office placement. Um, with clients, absolutely. Um, I, I've always been a proponent for furniture groupings in rooms. I've always felt that sectionals have their place, but I am not a big fan of sectionals because I feel that sectionals make people sit up on top of each other and it's too close. I don't like people touching me when I'm eating and when I'm, if a person gets up off the sectional, then the whole sectional's gravitational pull adjusts and shifts. We all go, you know, topsy turvy when they get and they sit that down. We all slouch back over. I like individual sofas in L shaped formations. It's smaller and more intimate. And I think now that COVID 19 is going to be a part of our reality for a while, people are going to want to gather together, but they may not want to be right on top of each other all the time. So I'm looking forward to saying to my clients, I'd rather not do a sectional because of COVID-19 and social distancing measures, even though design-wise, I just don't really love them. So yeah, I'll make it a new factor. <laughs> right, it gives you just another piece of ammunition to dissuade them for their sectional. What can I say? I am so happy you said yes Oh, to it's my pleasure. It's my honor to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. And I wish I could give you like, a hug. <laughs> yes, yes. In time, in time, virtually, maybe in October, we'll see. But um, we're all there in spirit, Jane. So the honor is mine. You know, I'm a huge fan of you and your brand. And it's a, a complete honor to be here on the first 
virtual DX experience. So thank you for having me. All right, well, we are so glad we, that we could have you. So thank you, have a great day, and um, maybe we'll see you later at the cocktail party. Yes, I'll try for sure. Thanks guys, have a great day, enjoy the, the conference. Thanks so much for listening to Seb. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.